1: Jack Kavanaugh, and it was another beautiful Sunday of NFL action in week two. There were plenty of highlights, quite a few lowlights, unfortunately. We'll get to that later. But most notably, the highlights, me being right, as per usual, my co-host on the Friday show at That FF Nerd, Jason Draven, was wrong about Ronald Jones that's not important right now we'll get to that later and if you want to hear me gloat over Jason make sure you tune into the important nonsense show on September 26 to hear me revel in all my glory but that's not what this show is about this show is about talking about what happened today we're gonna to recap all of Sunday's action figure out what's actionable information for our fantasy teams and there's no way I can cover 13 entire games by myself so once again we had to call in the heavy artillery so joining me again the doctor of Dynasty Doctor John Chancy.
0: What up, Jack? How's it going?
1: Fantastic, John. How are you?
0: I am just doing fantastic. What a week of football! Um, just a quick full disclosure: I have never personally—I've uh, never personally smoked crack before. But I have a feeling that sitting in front of a television set and watching Red Zone, like I did today uh, for seven straight hours, is the closest I'm ever going to get to that feeling. Uh, And to quote the Road Warriors, man, what an absolute rush today was. Uh, The Cowboys come back, the Chargers taking the Chiefs into overtime. There was just so much to like about today. I'm just, I'm still reeling from it wow oh,
1: you sure are feeling it all right so don't forget to follow john over on twitter at dynasty phd and on instagram at Scoozer underscore from underscore okc for all of your dynasty needs and apparently some hot takes as well because that was uh, i don't know what that was but of course it's not just john joining me 13 games is too much for even two people to handle. So we've had to call in the important nonsense IDP aficionado. It's me, Wallace Bruce.
2: Hey, Jack. Hey, John. It's a pleasure to join you again. And I've always wondered why the Sunday uh, slate of games isn't balanced across the early and the late, um, I guess, waves, if you will. But I'm not mad. It's Football Sunday, 13 games, and we're going to cover them. I'm looking forward to it.
1: It's got to be something to do with that East coast bias. I really don't know. But what I do know is you've got to be following me on Instagram at the real NWB and make sure you follow uh, us on important nonsense.com you can keep up with all of the fantastic content that these two pump out on a weekly basis also be sure to follow us at nonsenseff on all the social media but without further ado it is time to talk week two and as we all know it's in my contract that i'm in charge and it's my favorite time of the week because i get to pick the first game so we're gonna lead in with Falcons at Cowboys. The Falcons suffered a heartbreaking loss to the Cowboys. It wasn't quite 28-3, to but the Falcons did blow a 20-point lead. And at one point, they had a 98% chance of winning. And Dak was able to lead his team to victory, although he could not cover the spread.
0: Yeah, that was a bit of a shocker. Good for the Cowboys to win, but not being able to cover was a bit surprising. Um, you know, McCarthy, historically, has covered around 56% of the time. And you feel like with having Dak... And all of those weapons, you know, that would be a team you'd really want to, you'd really want to, you know, maybe push a lot of chips in on. But uh, that was a bit of a disappointment if you know, if you like the Cowboys to cover.
1: Yeah, that is very true, but I don't think Dak GMs are too upset. He's probably going to end up as a QB1 in fantasy this week. 41.8 points, 400 yards passing, and a, or 450 yards passing. A passing TD was great, but Dak showed us the true value of a Konami code quarterback. It's all about that rushing upside because he had three rushing scores. Three times six, absolutely amazing. And it wasn't just Dak who balled. John, who impressed you the most on the Cowboys? And I know there's a lot to choose from.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of meat on the bone for the Cowboys offense. I mean, you know, the, a lot of the usual names will stand out, like Zeke Elliott, besides the fumble, fumbling issues. Um, besides that, he had a great game. But the guy who really stood out to me was Boomer Sooner, C.D. Lamb. Finally unleashed had his first 100-yard game. He had six catches for 106 yards. Um, the downside to that, though, is I think that – we're starting to see possibly eating into another Cowboys uh, targets and yards, which I think is Michael Gallup. He had a pretty quiet game up until the end. You know, I think he only had one catch for most of the game. He caught a pass at the end of the game to bring his totals up to two catches for fifty-eight yards. So, not a terrible game by any means, but I, I have uh, Gallup in a couple uh, Dynasty te- or not di- a couple of uh, fantasy leagues, so that was a bit disappointing. Um, but the guy I really, I was really impressed with was Dalton Schultz, the tight end who replaced Blake Jarwin. Um, I think, I, I think I was, I was sort of thinking that Blake Bell might be able to carve out a role share, but uh, it was all Dalton Schultz today, and he's, I think, a must-add in dynasty. Uh, specifically, and maybe even redraft as well. I think he's got a lot of value. Dak
1: does love that tight end historically. Like we literally saw an ancient Jason Witten off of retirement finish as a tight end one last year with Dak. So there's absolutely no reason that Dalton Schultz can't be a thing. So you're right. Another disappointing day from Gallup. Half as many targets as Schultz. So disappointing. Like who actually saw that coming? Meanwhile, though, Zeke was his usual bad self. Recovered from two fumbles early. That was pretty scary, but went for 122 yards on 28 total touches. Also had the rushing score. So business as usual there on offense. And thankfully they did. They were able to come back because that was going to be embarrassing if they didn't. And Matt Ryan, also business as usual, it's, we really can't blame him for the choke job. It was just a classic Falcons choke job. Not his fault, though. 273 yards and four passing touchdowns. Although it was shocking to see Julio catch just two targets, or two of his four targets for just 24 yards. Ne, do you have any thoughts on this Falcons offense? Because it's a wild one. Is, are they going to have to th- Is there any defense? Is there any defense to be played?
2: Not really, no. They just seem to be that video game kind of offense where they just um they just have to keep scoring to stay in the game that's the best form of defense just keep scoring it's um an interesting one to see
1: yeah absolutely wild but because of that it ended up being an unfortunately quiet day from todd Gurley. He averaged 2.9 yards per carry 61 yards not a great sign and it's starting to look like he's going to be really touchdown dependent for the rest of this season it's just like he's yeah, I don't know what this Falcons offense It's they're going to have to throw, they're going to be in catch up mode a lot. And even when they're not, as we saw today, they're still throwing a ton. So there might not be enough meat on this bone for Todd Gurley going forward. Any final thoughts on the IDP side of things?
2: Yeah, look, and um, we're going to do something different this week. Uh, I'm going to actually talk about the the standout player, or the, the IDP MVP, if you will, for each game. So it may not be the necessarily the best player on the field in terms of stats, but just a player to look out for for, for the rest of the season. So for this game, I'm actually going to point out Joe Thomas, because I know Jalen Smith, the linebacker for Dallas, in a nice game, but... We, we've come to expect that from him, but Joe Thomas was the guy that stepped up in the absence of Sean Lee and Leighton Van Der Esch who went down in the previous weeks in offseason and also in week one. And Thomas had a whopping 12 tackles, 6 solo and 6 assists. And he seems to be the guy that's going to step up and take that production in the absence of the aforementioned Lee and Van Der Esch. So if you need some linebacker help on waivers this week, i would look at Joe Thomas.
1: And make sure you pick up the right Joe Thomas. You don't want to be adding former offensive lineman and future Hall of Famer Joe Thomas. But moving on from that, it was an absolutely terrible game between the Giants and Bears and a very upsetting turn of of events. According to the initial manual test, Saquon Barkley has suffered a torn ACL. He will undergo an MRI tomorrow to confirm. But it appears that Saquon's season might be over, which is just very disappointing. So how do we play that now uh, if you're in dynasty or in redraft is there anything we can do to manage this loss of Saquon Barkley
0: well I think from either redraft or dynasty if you have Barkley at rostered, you need to go ahead and get Deion Lewis I mean he filled in um he filled in okay for for Barkley I mean he put up uh you know 10 carries 20 yards and a touchdown which isn't too bad I mean if you extrapolate that over an entire game I mean It's not terrible. I I would imagine that the giants are going to go out and get another running back. So I don't feel super confident in having Dion Lewis, but just the fact that he's been there for a couple of years um, is familiar with the team. You know, I I mean, I would at least take a gamble on that. I I just don't really love the giants um, in general, but if, I guess if you're stuck in that situation, go with Lewis. Um, But I think as a dynasty team, I would be very concerned about Saquon Barkley. Um, I, I love. He has probably maybe more talent than any dynasty, you know, or any fantasy running back uh, out there. But his injury history now with the torn ACL is is pretty concerning. Uh, most guys bounce back from that, so I mean, I don't think there'll be a concern there. But just uh, the recurring injuries are, are definitely concerning for me. I'll agree with you there, but I will not agree with you that we should be picking up
1: Deion Lewis because he's just not good. That 10 for 20 terrifies me because 2.0 yards per carry, that's just Deion Lewis to a T. rest of the Giants' offense was super inefficient without Barkley, whether or not that's because he was gone or because the Bears' offense, defense just crushed daniel jones all day i'm not too sure but i'm really upset because jason garrett's kind of ruined this giant's offense for me and it looked like it was going to be so fun evan ingram led the team six for 65 547 from tate three for 33 from slayton which is the most upsetting because how do you ruin Derry slayton and two for 29 from sterling Shepard? so just a mess in the pass catching core the running backs are now going to be a mess it's going to be a committee and a bad one at that so i am just so out on this Giants offense with Jason Garrett calling the shots it's not even funny. So let's move on to the Bears cuz they actually make me laugh.
0: How about another game for for Mitch, um, uh MVP fourth quarter Mitch, whatever Mitch we want to call him. I mean, he actually didn't play too terribly. I mean, I know the the two picks towards the end of the second half aren't great, but I think, you know, if you're in a two quarterback league or if you're trying to find Uh, you know, a quarterback off of waivers for dynasty purposes, I think, I still think there's some meat on the bone for Mitch Trubisky. And what's crazy is like, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't the prettiest performance, but you know, they, they, they still, um, you know, he pulled it out. The bears pull it out. They didn't cover, which is a shame, which is actually somewhat surprising. Mitch has a, an above 500 record against the spread 22 and 16 and four coming into this game. So um i i'm just impressed anytime that mitch trubisky doesn't poop the bed and here we have another chance another opportunity to potentially bet against mitch trubisky in the future if he keeps holding on to this job so that's always good
1: uh yeah it- it's frustrating because yeah it was a fine enough day for fantasy but really this franchise is a mess so back to the stuff before the game heading into it Tariq cohen signed a three-year 17 million dollar contract and i'm not sure why they paid their satellite light back because they gave him six touches for 27 yards and they still haven't paid alan robinson who's probably gonna leave complete mess of a franchise shouldn't have drafted mitchell trubisky to begin with they're gonna move on from him at some point and the bottom's going to fall out granted, they aren't a bad team. The Bears themselves aren't. It's just the front office is a mess. But the most disappointing thing of the day, the only two players that actually matter in terms of fantasy, Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, they didn't do anything. Robinson caught three of nine targets, just 33 yards, and Miller didn't have a reception. So, like, can we just move on from this nightmare of the Bears, please? Like, it's just... Oh, so frustrating.
0: It definitely is frustrating. Um, but I think there are at least a couple of players on the offensive side of the ball, not named Alan Robinson and not named Tariq Cohen, that are worth mentioning. I think it was nice to see David Montgomery back on the field. Uh, nice to see him get into the end zone. Nice to see him catching passes. Um, he left the field at one point, I think, but came back in. So no worries there. I am a little worried, though. It is against the Giants. So any sort of uh, any sort of positive performance has to be taken with a grain of salt. But you mentioned the Allen Rob, you mentioned Allen Robinson potentially being gone. I think that opens up a huge door for a player like Darnell Mooney, who you know, I mean, wasn't too, too it's not going to jump out too much on the stat sheets, but three catches, thirty-six yards, and a touchdown. He is a very, very fast, speedy receiver out of Tulane, who I think, uh, if if uh, Robinson were to leave, he would have a lot of opportunities to uh, have more targets, more shares in that offense. So. I highly recommend getting him at least in Dynasty and maybe not redraft yet, but I think if you're looking for some deep dive ads in Dynasty, look up Darnell Mooney. I think you'll you'll thank me later if the Bears uh, part ways with Robinson.
2: I I gotta co sign that Mooney prescription on the doctor. I mean, even if A Rob stays, the, the targets will be there for Darnell Mooney. Who else is gonna catch the passes outside of Robinson and Tariq Cohen? Is it gonna be one of those seven tight ends? I don't think so. Anyway, going to the defensive side of the ball. I want to take a look at a guy called eddie jackson if you play idp you may have heard of him he's a safety he tends to spend more time at free safety but this year he's come a bit closer to the line of scrimmage and it's translating to more tackles so he's becoming more reliable and today he's the idp mvp of this game he had eight tackles seven solos and one assist if you he need help at safety this is a guy you want to have a look at in idp
1: well the big thing with eddie jackson too is that he records a lot of interceptions. So thank you for actually finding some positives from the bears and from the, this game in general, because it was a nightmare for me to watch. And unfortunately, we can't get too excited now because we're going to move on from the sadness of that game and plunge headfirst into the pit of despair that is the Philadelphia Eagles. I know we usually start with the winning team, but we've got to get this covered. So the Eagles were favored by one and lost by 18. Carson Wentz completed just over 60% of his passes, tossed two picks, and just generally didn't really look good so the only player that actually ended up being relevant on the day for the eagles was miles sanders he had 95 rushing yards and a score on 20 carries added 36 yards on three receptions as well but the rest of the offense was just a wasteland
0: yeah that was a pretty disappointing performance from from the eagles overall especially uh, I, for boston scott truthers such as myself you know uh four carries for 19 yards i mean I, I was assuming that even with Miles Sanders, there would still be a role and a spot for Boston Scott potentially as a flex position. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe it's it's the the opponent. The Rams' defense is maybe better than we thought. Uh, it was somewhat of a decent game for for uh, Zach Ertz. You know, five catches for forty two yards. Good to see him be more involved than the previous week. But I was really disappointed in uh, Dallas Goddard. I you know four catches for thirty yards. I mean, I know not every week can be. Uh, you know, those those boom games like he had last week uh, in week one. But, you know, it looked like he was sort of turning the corner uh, in, in, in terms of his production. So that was a bit disappointing. But another Boomer Sooner signing. We finally got to see Jalen Hurts on the field, albeit uh, he didn't. I don't believe he collected any stats of fantasy note, but I know at one point he was split out uh, in the slot position at one point. So maybe we'll start to see him uh, getting a few more touches or a few more possessions on the field. You know, it's bad
1: when we're like finding solace and the fact that Jalen Hurts was seeing snaps like that's what we're getting excited about from this Eagles offense. That is just so terrifying. And but for every bit of bad the Eagles were the Rams were the complete opposite and I do owe Jason an apology for shaming him about Jared Goff. 74.1 completion percent, three passing scores, all of which went to Tyler Higby. So are is this Rams offense back?
0: Yes, yes, yes. This Rams offense is back. To me, this the NFC West is just unreal. Um, I know, you know. I think with the expanded playoff format and just how good this division is, there's no doubt—at least in my mind—that this could be the division that has three teams or more, or not, or more. I'm sorry, three teams that make it to the playoffs. Um, and my biggest takeaway, though, I know we've already talked about the Atlanta Falcons, but I wonder: is Todd Gurley a potential Ewing Theory candidate for fantasy football? Um, if for those who are not familiar with the Ewing theory, it stems from uh basketball. I, I'm not the most purest of uh historians on basketball, but I believe it was the 99 season, I think. I might be recall or I might be recalling wrong, but Patrick Ewing, the best player for the Knicks, he goes out and the Knicks just get hot and they go on a run. Uh I don't remember if that's the year they went to the finals or not, so forgive me for, for not knowing that much. But it kind of looks like the Rams getting rid of Todd Gurley, even though he still has fantasy value, has kind of reopened that offense again. Now that they're kind of out from under the shell of Todd Gurley's potential, maybe, maybe that's kind of freed up McVay and the rest of that offense to kind of click in a way they haven't since Gurley got hurt. So that's what I mean by the, the, the Ewing theory. I, I just wonder that about Gurley, even though he still is good, but maybe not with the Rams.
1: In other news, Malcolm Brown also suffered a finger injury, which makes that backfield even more confusing in the post-Todd Gurley world. Really, not sure what's going to happen. Keep an eye on that. Steve and Neil will break that down later on in the week. I really don't know who to choose in that battle, so we're just going to move on from that backfield.
2: Fair enough. And moving on from the backfield to the to the defensive side of the ball. So, a couple of um defensive plays to look at in the IDP world, both sides of the ball. From L.A. Rams, the the linebacker, Micah Kaiser. So this is a guy that came through with a whopping 16 tackles. That's right, 16 tackles, 11 solo, 5 assists. And in addition to that, he had one fumble and one pass defense. You can't ask for anything more than a plug-and-play linebacker like this. This is a guy that came in to replace Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski, who left in the offseason. And if you need help on waivers, this is a guy to go get in, at linebacker. On the other side of the ball, TJ Edwards, this is an undrafted free agent in his second year at Philly. Picking up the slack where guys like Jatavis Brown and others have left. Um, he's now stepped into the role as an inside linebacker. He had six tackles today, So five solos, one assist. Also had a fumble in his locker. Another guy you want to have a look at. If you're playing Honesty, he's a guy that you might want to put on your taxi squad in IDP. We're going to move on from that game,
1: although it was very exciting. But before we do, Robert Woods signed his contract extension and got a rushing touchdown to celebrate, so good for him. Love to see that. What we also love to see, though, the Ronald Jones experiment is over, John. Eat it. Jones made the start, scored that early touchdown, but then he committed the cardinal sin of fumbling a handoff from Tom Brady on the goal line. Next time the Bucs were on the goal line, Fournette got the score. And then to end the game, when the Bucs needed to run out the clock, they handed the ball to Fournette. Instead of running out the clock, he ran all the way for a 46-yard touchdown. Tom Brady gets his first win in Tampa Bay. You love to see it.
0: And most importantly... The Bucks covered, which should be of literally no surprise because Brady is not only the goat on the field in terms of rings and all that, but the guy is the goat in terms of playing against the spread. He's nearly sixty percent uh, success against the spread. I mean, you could have just put your four hundred one k on Brady and made a made a killing. Something I wish I would have done. Um, and no, I, I will not. I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna get off the uh, the hot the soapbox for Ronald Jones. I think technically, last I saw that fumble, per ESPN, they were giving Brady that fumble. So I'm going to go ahead and blame him for that. Um, Even though, I I think Rojo, yes, I think we're we're seeing the shift finally for net is going to be the guy. But that offense is so good. uh, I just think that Ronald Jones still has at least flex value, especially in dynasty. I still have him in a dynasty league. I'm going to keep him just because I want as many bites from the Tampa Bay apple as I can get. Because I can't get Fournette in my league, so I'm going to have fun just with maybe rolling the dice with with Ronald Jones uh, every now and then. Probably not too often, um, but this whole week, we heard nothing but talk about how Chubb and Hunt from Cleveland is the best one-two punch combination, even with the miscommunication with Ronald Jones and Tom Brady today and the fumble. I think we got to at least talk about when this offense is rolling, Fournette and Jones can be a, a just as lethal of a combination of running backs, depending on obviously the game flow and all that. But if this team is going downhill, good luck stopping anybody on this offense.
1: That is a wow, that is a hot take that I completely disagree with. Chubb and Hunt are far and away better than the duo Fournette and Ronald Jones, just not even close. And so anyone who knows me loves I knows I do love a good candle. I have a watermelon laminate candle lit in the background, but John. The candle you have lit for Ronald Jones is going to burn you so badly. This is Uncle Len's job now, and I am certain that my good buddy Nee Wallace Bruce agrees with me.
2: Yep, you would be right. Lenny is exactly who we thought we he is who we thought he was. He's a top running back, he's a fantasy producer, and he just needed a week to acclimatize to the Bruce Arians offense. The touches we saw today, I feel like that's what we're gonna see going forward. As for Rojo, like John said, he's not dead and buried in terms of fantasy. He's going to be a guy that you can use at flex, but we need to temper our expectations with him, especially with what happened at the goal line. Tom Brady does not take count to that, and it will be reflected down the line. I'm sure he's going to get some um, evil eyes at the training facility this week. He might want to do that again. And we also have to consider old Lashawn McCoy. Not necessarily as someone we're going to start in fantasy, but he's going to be around, and he's going to be annoying. He's going to take touchdowns that We're expecting Lenny and Roger to take.
1: It's very true. And we all know that a backfield attached to Tom Brady is going to produce. Ronald Jones just isn't going to be that guy. He's finished with seven carries for 23 yards, and he did have that score. So Jones is not the guy. We can all agree with that, except for John. He's going to be burned by that. But I think we can all agree that Mike Evans is that dude.
0: No doubt. It really took very little time for, for Tom Brady and Mike Evans to get going. I mean, last week, I think, was a fluke with Mike Evans being uh hamper with a ham- hamstring injury, but now he's healthy. Tom and him are finding uh, uh, some chemistry. Evans finished with seven catches, 104 yards, and a TD. Um, absolutely one of my most satisfying moments in all of fantasy football is when you have a quarterback rostered and they throw to one of your pass catchers, especially in a PPR league. I had that happen today. Um, great performance there, but I'm a little concerned or I'm wondering if I should be concerned about Tom Brady. Uh, three interceptions now in two games. Um, is this the decline that we've been waiting for or is this just fluky, um, you know, playing a couple of you know decent defenses?
1: I'm not too worried about it yet. You know, like this is the first time he's played in a new offense in like 20 years. So I'm, I'm really not too worried about it. Although it was disappointing that Scotty Miller had a really slow day, though, two catches for 11 yards. Justin Watson also had an impress- more impressive day, two of three targets for 48, but it was really slow from like the auxiliary producers outside of Mike Evans. Hojay Howard caught one of three 11 yards and Gronk didn't have a catch. So Gronk him on the milk carton. I don't know where he's gone. Absolutely nowhere. One of the more surprising things though was the regression we saw from Teddy Two Gloves. John, I stole that from you, sorry, but my show, my rules. So, but Tampa Bay is sneakily one of the better defensive units in the league. And Teddy still completed 78.6% of his passes over 360 yards, had great days from DJ Moore, eight, eight receptions for 120 yards. Robbie Anderson caught nine for 109. And Those two interceptions are a pain, but our theory still stands. He's going to be forced to throw the ball a lot because they're constantly going to be trailing, which the Panthers were the entire game one point they went down 21 nothing so so far that's held up and that shouldn't be expected to change this defense is terrible and we're probably going to be looking at even more pass attempts from Teddy coming up because Christian McCaffrey left the game with an ankle injury and is now looking to get an MRI how worried should we be there
0: I mean anytime you're talking about a player of the caliber of Christian McCaffrey um you know, be going down or going down for any amount of time, or getting an MRI, it's very concerning. And as we've seen recently, you know, even if it's something like an ankle sprain, um, that can derail not only the next game, but even when the player comes back, potentially derails their production for weeks. So I think for players who took McCaffrey first overall, um, you know, it probably isn't going to be anything long term concerning, and he maybe doesn't even miss a game, but. If it slows him down uh, even a little bit, I think that could possibly diminish the return on the value, of course, of taking somebody that high. So I'm a little concerned, but obviously not hitting the panic button. We hope it's just a tweak for run CMC,
1: and he is raring to go next week because he's going to. They're going to need it against the Chargers' defense, and Mike Davis would be the expected starter if he were to miss. But fingers crossed. But as an, our co-host Knee pointed out last week. Playing linebackers against Christian McCaffrey is a cheat code. So how did that go today?
2: Well, Jack, in terms of the run CMC sweepstakes, uh, Devin White was the winner. He had 15 tackles on the day. And this is what we come to expect when you go up against Christian McCaffrey. He gets the ball a lot. So those inside linebackers and safeties are going to be the ones that are getting busy. So today, inside linebacker Devin White. But my IDP MVP is not white. It's actually Antoine Winfield Jr. Now, this is a guy, his father played with Tom Brady, believe it or not, years ago. And now his son is playing on the same team as said Tom Brady. This guy came up with 11 tackles, 8 solo, and 3 assisted tackles, and a fumble. So, this is a guy who's a rookie, but he got involved today. So, he's my IDP MVP. I also wanted to point out that, cornerback who was targeted by Tom Brady. If you listened to the show last week, you may remember that I pointed out that some cornerbacks are going to get picked on by these more established and higher-end quarterbacks. So today, the cornerback that was targeted was Rasul Douglas. Brady looked for him, or Douglas had seven tackles basically from the game, and you have to think that Brady was looking for him. Because Douglas is thrown at the last minute to replace a rookie, and you have to know that the offense is looking at that and thinking, okay, we're going to go after this guy. So just keep that in mind in terms of IDP. When you're going off against Tom Brady, if you need a cornerback streamer, maybe pick the rookie or the the weaker cornerback in the matchup. That was a
1: lot of fun. So some key IDP advice from me and also just a really fun game in general. So we're going to take a break for now because after the break, we're into some not as fun stuff. And uh, I just need to prepare myself for that mentally. So we're going to kick it over to Steve. And we're back. So we're going to start things off with the 49ers at Jets. And what an unfortunate game. So we know George Kittle was inactive. Debo Samuel was inactive. Richard Sherman was inactive. 49ers also lost starting quarterback Jimmy Gorges to a high ankle sprain. Running back Raheem Mostert, he suffered a high or sprained ACL as well, MCL as well. And he's going to have an MRI to determine how long he's going to miss. Defensive rookie of the year, Nick Bosa, suffered an ACL tear. And D-tackle Solomon Thomas also suffered a knee sprain, although there is hope he will return at some point in the season. So things are really starting to look rough for the 49ers. But there were two positives in, on the day, and they came in the form of Jarek McKinnon and Jordan Reed.
0: Yeah, you, you know, Mostert started off the game, I believe, with with an 80-yard touchdown. I'd love to see that, but obviously a disappointment to see him with a knee injury. But that opened up the doors for Jarrett McKinnon, who was able to also find a find the end zone. And you got to imagine if Mostert misses any amount of time, that McKinnon is going to be the biggest um, recipient of those touches. So I think he'll, he'll be huge uh, pickup up in redrafts. And I think I've I've seen him a lot even on Dynasty, uh, you know, um, waiver wire. So I think there's a chance you could still get him there uh, if people have you know if he has been dropped. Um, I love to see Jordan Reed getting some work, obviously his concussion history. It's great to see guys, you know, still being able to play and stay healthy. Um, I have, I have George Kittle in in our, in our uh, important nonsense dynasty league. So it was just so sad for me to see all of the touchdowns that weren't George Kittle, you know, go to someone else. Um, I would normally recommend, you know, go out and grab someone like Jordan Reed, especially after a game like this, but I, I just think with Kittle's injury, I don't think, you know, it's going to be much of a long-term concern. So there are a couple of other players I might grab ahead of Jordan Reed as far as tight end pickups, uh, like Drew Sample, um, and, you know, uh, would probably be my pickup and, you know, long-term pickup over, over Jordan Reed. Um, on the dynasty end, though, I think it was cool to finally see Kendrick Bourne get more involved in the San Francisco offense with so many people, you know, so many players dropping like flies, it seems like, for the 49ers. I think we're gonna see players like Bourne get more touches. Uh he went four for sixty-seven today. We also see we also saw Brandon Ayuk make his debut and he went two for twenty one. But I would expect maybe even bigger things out of those players like that going forward if the injuries keep piling up. And we'll have more information about the MRI results coming in tomorrow. But I
1: do agree with you on Jordan Reed because George Kittle should be back soon. And with Nick Mullins at quarterback, there's really not going to be enough room for two tight ends in this offense. There might not even be room for two players in this offense, period, outside of the running backs and Jarrett McKinnon. So we'll keep you updated on that. Tune in the podcast later this week. Steve and Neil will give us those updates. As for the Jets, there's really not anything to say here. Sam Darnold couldn't top 180 yards passing, didn't throw a touchdown, and had a pick. Frank Gore carried the ball 21 times, three yards a carry. Oh, and Brashad Perriman. Yeah, he left the game with an ankle injury as well, likely headed for an MRI. So fire Adam Gase. Anything else? <laughs>
2: um, Yeah, I wonder what the over-under on Gase's time at the Jets will be. Will he get to the bye week in week eight or whatever it is, or will they... Move to someone else before then. Very interesting Interesting to see. Uh, in terms of the IDP side of things, the Jets' defense, oof, oof. There are some shining lights, though. Quinn Williams, the third pick overall from the 2019 draft, he plays defensive end for the Jets, and he got busy today. He had seven tackles, four solo, three assisted, and also a fumble and two sacks. So there are some shining lights in that. Jets uh dumpster fire mean, defense. Also, with Bosa and um Thomas getting injured for the 49ers, this is a prime opportunity for Eric Armstead, the defensive end, to step up and be more involved. Today, he had a pass defense, a sack to go with his three tackles. But I feel like he's going to be caught upon to be more involved with D Ford still coming back from injury. So those are two names to look out for if you need help on your defensive line in IDP. Yeah, there are a few... Uh, bright spots on with on the
0: Jets on either side of the ball but one of the guys I really like from this game today uh, if you're looking for maybe a, a really deeper dynasty pickup and I'm talking about you know deeper leagues 12 team or more um you know longer benches but Braxton Berrios wide receiver for the Jets he caught six passes 59 yards and a touchdown um you know I, I don't really it's hard for me to to um to endorse any jet player while Adam Gase is there, but I think if you know if you're looking for any kind of bright spot, Barrios might have uh, some upside, especially if you're you know like I said in a deeper league and are, are desperate for wide receiver.
1: That's just how bad this team is that we're getting hyped about Braxton Berrios. So that was painful and things don't stop being painful. When we move on to the Lions at Packers lions stink, Kenny Galladay missed the game. Matthew Stafford had completed just 60% of his passes. Couldn't hit over 250 yards, had two touchdowns, but threw another pick, Marvin Jones did absolutely nothing Four receptions for 23 yards was bailed out by a score, but. Was not good for fantasy. And then all three running backs saw work. Carrion Johnson had the touchdown. This team is gross, and I hate it.
0: It just pains me that I'm still starting Adrian Peterson in a dynasty league. It's just I can't. Why? Why are you doing that? I can't quit AD. I can't. And then just when I think he's got a role carved out, Carrion gets the touchdown. Swift's still involved in the passing game. Peterson might have had the carries, but or the yards, excuse me. But it's just too, it's just too mucked up, you know, too messy to to really uh, to like any of these players at the moment. Uh, Hawkinson, I thought T.J. Hawkinson had another decent game, but just just a bad uh, Lions offense, which is a really it's a bummer because I I was excited about this team coming into the year, and I still think they have some upside, but it's time to pour one out for the Lions.
1: It really is. And the fact that we're seeing a decent game from TJ Hawkinson at four for 62 is just the most tight end stat of all time. It was exciting to see DeAndre Swift 60 yards on five catches, but overall just gross. So that's enough from the Lions because they really upset me. Packers steamrolled them. Aaron Jones was the story of the game.
0: I mean, I I can't, I don't want to say I called it, but I I called him the most underrated fantasy running back in the offseason and somehow we, I, he still might be underrated. He got a hat trick of touchdowns and over 200 yards of offense and the Packers will probably still be dumb enough to let him go in the offseason and he'll go somewhere else and do the same thing because he's awesome. Um but yeah, you know, Aaron Jones just that guy is just awesome and knows how to find the end zone. Um and every time he's on the field, I I'm even if I don't play against somebody with Aaron Jones, I'm still scared of what Aaron Jones might do.
1: We also had a Robert Tanyan sighting as he caught the other touchdown from Aaron Rodgers. It was a quiet day from the receivers, though, because Devontae Adams left with a hamstring injury, so we'll keep an eye on that throughout the week. We're going to move on after this. we hit some IDP stars, though.
2: Yes, and just circling back to my uh strategy when it comes to cornerbacks, A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers, he's... An MVP in the league, we know what he brings to the table. He's a top passer, and he also knows what it takes when it comes to finding the weak cornerback or the I guess the cornerback that is uh easier to target in terms of his wide receivers. So, Jeffrey Acuda, the highly graded cornerback rookie from the Lions, was the guy today. He had seven tackles. We know he's a good cornerback, but Aaron Rodgers found him early and often, and he's a name to consider going forward if you need a cornerback streamer in terms of the idp mvp it's going to be christian kirksey from the, the green bay packers the linebacker had 12 tackles 10 solo and two assists so that's what you want double digit tackles from your inside linebackers that's 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 what more can you ask for Really can't ask for anything more, but moving
1: on to the Broncos at Steelers, we are very disappointed that Drew Locke is looking like he's going to miss some time. He went one of five before he was decked by Bud Dupree, left the game with an injury to his throwing shoulder, going to undergo some tests to determine how much time he'll miss, which is awful, especially as Jeff Driscoll filled in. and completed just 52.9% of his passes, had an interception to Joe Hayden, had two touchdowns, but it's not looking good. Cortland Sutton left the game. He was impressive as heck, three for sixty-six. Ben left the game with a shoulder injury. Jerry Judy left for a bit, and he did come back. But it begs the question: Can we trust anyone in Denver going forward?
0: Yes, yes, we can trust Noah Fant. All, all is, all is right when passes are thrown to Noah Fant. Well, not really. He only went four for fifty-seven, but he caught another touchdown. And again, I'm, I'm going to stand on this soapbox. I think Noah Fant is going to be uh, that next wave of really, really good fantasy or NFL tight ends. And I think two weeks in a row with a TD is just another uh, pelt on his wall. Um, and I think he's just going to keep being the go-to guy no matter who who is throwing the ball for Denver.
1: And in the backfield, Melvin Melvin Gordon was the bell cow with
0: 19 carries,
1: 3.7 yards a pop, so not very impressive, and neither was James Conner. Everyone gets excited because he had the TD early, had 15 carries for 47 yards, though, until the very last play of the game, broke a 59-yard run to seal the win. So it was garbage time points, and they still count, but that one run brings him from 6.6 yards to carry, where he before was at 3.1. So because Benny Snell's fumbled, we're going to have to sit through more of this, but I am very, very disappointed in this backfield. Going to skip over that. Deontay Johnson had his breakout game, caught eight for 92. Juju only had seven receptions for 48, which is a little disappointing. So this target share is going to be really fascinating going forward.
0: Yeah, it really will be. And I think only to add to the murkiness of the situation, we have the emergence of of Chase Claypool. Uh, last week in, in uh, week one, he was graded by PFF as the highest graded rookie wide receiver. Uh, and and I, you know that maybe that didn't quite show up in terms of fantasy stats, but it really showed up this week. He took an eighty five yard uh, uh, eighty four yard touchdown to the house. Uh, and he only caught three passes overall for eighty eight yards. So maybe we'll have to see him get more involved uh, consistently, not just those big plays, but yikes, talk about a uh, talk about a breakout game and and, and
2: showing showing up to play and he's canadian we the north uh moving on to the idp side of things just wanted to um talk about tj watt now this is a outside linebacker in some formats he's noted as a defensive end but usually he's an outside linebacker and that doesn't matter for his production if you put him in as a linebacker in your league he had two and a half sacks in addition to four tackles and he's a guy you can trust also wanted to point out alexander johnson on the denver side he had a nice game with eight tackles six solo and two assists so that's a guy who stepped up in the absence of von miller he plays plays inside but he is still putting in the work
1: very exciting stuff especially we the north indeed but it wasn't just claypool that's the only dominant rookie to be unleashed or sorry it wasn't the only dominant athlete to be unleashed Jonu smith did exactly what we told you he was going to do all summer long. He was absolutely incredible. Caught four or five targets, 84 yards, two scores. He was the number one passing game as long as AJ Brown is out because Corey Davis busted. Three for 36, and he was bailed out by a score, but you know it's not going to be sustainable going forward. Tannehill also had a nice day with four passing touchdowns, so none of that was surprising. What was really surprising was James Robinson outproduced Derek Henry.
0: Yeah, what a shocker. I mean, if James Robinson's gonna put up performances like that, um then that backfield just got a whole lot more interesting, especially when we consider that Gardner Minshew, uh, even though they didn't win the game, I feel like Minshew Mania is still running wild all in Jacksonville. And how dare you bet against this man? I mean, he won the game last week. They covered this week. So, you know, good for good for betters and the Jags. Um, but the guy I'm also really interested in besides, besides James, James Robinson, though, is seeing LaVisca Chenault Jr. getting more involved. He had five carries for 37 yards three catches for 35 yards, you know, in a PPR league, I think that's some really good flex up upside, uh, upside, excuse me. But what it shows me is they're figuring out we need to get this guy, the ball, uh, whether it's through the backfield, through pass catching, whatever, let's put the ball in his hands because he can make plays.
2: Speaking of making plays, the IDP MVP for this game has to be the safety Kenny Vicaro. He came through with 11 tackles. 10 of them being solo, he also had a couple of big plays, which were one sack and two uh, pass defenders. That's a nice balanced um, output from the safety. Kenny Vicaro, remember the name.
1: You have a great safety duo there with Kevin Byard as well. And so finally on this game, DJ Chark seemingly had another quiet game with four targets. But he caught all four for 84, so he's still dominant. And if he scores a touchdown, we're not worried about him at all. So I'm not worried yet. I was worried about the Bills for a while, though. I thought they were going to lose. They couldn't cover the five and a half point spread. They eked out a win, thirty-one to twenty-eight. So, are the Bills worse than we thought, or are they Dolphins better than we thought?
0: I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Dolphins are going to be one of those teams that maybe that doesn't show up in the win-loss record, but they're they're too competitive just to get blown out. Um, and it looked like that's how things might were going for a little bit, and then you know, of course, the Dolphins kind of made it a lot closer. Uh, and we able to, uh, you know, make the five and a half point spread. Um, but I also thought from a, from a passing standpoint, Josh Allen looked great. I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, you know, they only eked out the three point win, but if you're a fantasy owner of Josh Allen, you got to be excited. He was pushing the ball downfield. He had 417 yards, four touchdowns, only 18 yards rushing on the ground though, um, which is a bit disappointing. Um, and again, I think this begs the question, when, when are we going to see Tua? Uh, Tua watch continues. Fitz Magic looked okay. Obviously, he looked better than the week before, but you know he's just good enough, I think, not to lose the job. But at some point, though, they're going to have to see what they've got in, in the garage what, with this Ferrari and Tua. And so, before we get to Tua,
1: with Allen's big day, we had big days from Stefan Diggs and John Brown as well. Diggs caught eight for 153 with a score. Brown caught four for 82 with a tug as well. And Cole Beasley chipped in for seven on five catches. So, this Bills passing game is cooking. Can't say the same about the backfield where it's a full blown committee. 10 carries for 56 from Singletary, eight for 37 from Moss. And Singletary saw two more targets than Moss. Moss didn't have any. It's a mess, though. We really, and until things, change until this offense starts being unsuccessful there's no reason for the Bills to change it so I'm just out on both these guys until then
0: yeah it's definitely it's a murky situation but I think we're starting to see potentially the Dolphins backfield situation become a little less murky I think Miles Gaskin is starting to emerge uh, as a pretty good PPR option I mean he caught six passes for 36 yards he had seven carries for 46 yards nothing nothing really to write home about but um, I think if you're if you're in a PPR league and you want to take a a, a flyer, I think Miles Gaskin's a lot of fun. I just don't think um, you know Jordan Howard's not going to be involved in the pass catching role enough, and uh, you know Braid is the only other competition really. So uh, go for Gaskin if you're if you're looking for um, a
2: flyer, gentlemen. That was a great um, coverage of the Miami backfield. I'm so glad I didn't have to cover that because <laughs> that's ugh. anyway on the IDP side of things. Terrell Dodson, that's a name you want to remember on the Buffalo Bills side of things. He's a linebacker who had to uh, step up with Terrell Edmund, sorry, Edmonds and Matt Milano getting injured during the week. He was the guy that filled in, and he had a nice day with eight tackles, six of them solo, and two pass defences. So, once again, you need linebacker help. Terrell Dodson's a name to remember on waves this week.
1: Speaking of needing help the minnesota vikings need some help Kirk cousins threw three picks and had 113 passing yards that's right the entire vikings off passing game had 40 fewer yards than stefan diggs had all by himself for the Bills. so the only player who wasn't a dud on the vikings offense was dalvin cook and it's only because he was saved by a last minute touchdown so i'm kind of scared about this vikings team we're gonna pivot off them because i'm i'm scared i don't want to talk about them so we're gonna give more credit to jason he ended up being right Fire it up. Mo Ali Cox was freed. And it sounds like he was right. Because Phillip Rivers has had a t- tight end one in every year of his career before 2019. And now we see Mo Ali Cox lead the team with five receptions and over 100 yards. So oh, this is very exciting to see from Mac. Very spicy waiver edition in the, me- er, in the near future. Especially with Paris Campbell going out. He's likely to miss some time. The Colts announced it is not an ACL. But they are going to do an MRI to see what it is and how much time he misses it. But the real story of this offense and the real guy who this team runs through, it's Jonathan, touchdown, Taylor. 110 total yards on 28 touches and a touchdown to boot.
0: What a game for Jonathan Taylor, but it just ultimately begs the question, where was Naheem Hines? I think just like Benny Snell, there's a good chance that you, if you're a fantasy player, you might have used up a significant amount of waiver dollars or your fab budget potentially going after a guy like Naheem Hines or Benny Snell, and if you did that, there's a chance you also started them with the hopes of, hey, maybe they'll have a repeat performance, not so fast as Lee Corso would say. Hines especially, zero carries, only a single catch for four yards. Uh, That is a huge disappointment. And I thought even with Jonathan Taylor, I thought this was an offense that, and especially with Phillip Rivers, could sustain two potential pass-catching backs, especially in a PPR format. They both would have value, but... All of that value went to Jonathan Taylor
2: today. Yeah, and there was also some value on the other side of the ball. The Colts' defense was, they were ferocious. <laughs> they they went off to Kirk Cousins and they got three picks out of him. There were also some sacks in there. And this is what we expected from the Colts' defensive uh, and special teams in the offseason. They were stingy and relentless, led by Darius Leonard and also new addition to Forrest Buckner. You like that? I like that. But the IDP MVP for me was actually cornerback Kenny Moore. This guy had six tackles and one of those INTs off Cousins and two pass defences. A great day for Mr. Moore.
1: A great day indeed. So that's going to do it for the early slate. And as painful as some of that news is, the afternoon becomes much more exciting. So join us after the break as we discuss the reigning, defending, unanimous, undisputed MVP. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game.
3: That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and More or Less.
1: Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win.
3: So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee.
1: Obviously, you gotta go big or go home.
3: Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams? Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward.
1: Yup, I only need to get 2 out of 3 matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in and I can get 5 out of 5, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money.
3: You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given 2-6 to players and their statistic target... For that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders, you have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target
1: number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys.
3: Well... The only thing better than winning money from monkey knife fight is getting money from monkey knife fight for free
1: i do love free
3: just go to monkey knife fight to sign up for a free account when you make your first deposit use promo code nonsense and monkey knife fight will match your deposit up to 50 dollars.
1: this is literally playing with house money guys go sign up on monkey knife fight with the promo code nonsense and get in on the action this weekend And we're back. What a fantastic read. Love that for me and love the day that Lamar Jackson had. Now, it wasn't the most prolific fantasy day, but that's because it didn't need to be. Jackson had 204 yards to the air and a score, 54 rushing yards on the ground. But the Ravens as a team rushed for 230 yards. And so it really doesn't look like Mark Ingram is done. Dobbins didn't have a carry in the first half, only had two carries on the day and a reception. So really, this is a mess. Gus Edward ended up toting the ball 10 times for 73 yards. We don't know who's going to produce on a weekly basis in this backfield. And it wasn't a great day for the receivers either. Andrews had just one reception for 29 yards. Hollywood caught five for 42. And the only touchdown went to the fullback, Patrick Ricard. So love that for me and all of my Ravens stacks on FanDuel.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a disappointment there uh, for past catchers, but it was good to see Miles Boykin show up with four catches for 38 yards. Nothing to really ride home about, but you know, just from a dynasty perspective, it's good to see. Uh, I think uh, him getting involved even a little bit. Moving on
1: to the Texans, though, it was also not a great day. Will Fuller left the game early, didn't have a reception, so it was Brandon Cooks leading the way with 5 for 95. He's back. rest of the offense was ugly.
2: Is there anything that we can be excited about on the defense, Knee? Yeah, look, um, J.J. Ward had a nice game. He, he bounced back uh, from injury uh, last year, and he had two sacks, a pass defense, and a couple of tackles. You look like nice out there i also want to take a look at the baltimore uh baltimore as a team that that running attack is so potent that it is another gold mine for idp just like i mentioned with carolina and uh, run cmc so because lamar jackson ingram dobbins and edwards are often toting the rock that means your linebackers and safeties are going to be in line to get more tackles and this week the idp mvp was that cunningham for that reason because yet 15 tackles, 10 solo and five assists, as well as a sack while he was trying to stop these guys from running the ball early and often. Yeah, the Ravens just bullied the Texans overall, but it does translate
1: in terms of tackles and IDP. And speaking of being a bully, Kyler Murray was just cruel to the team's defense. 286 yards and a score through the air. DeAndre Hopkins caught his first touchdown in the desert, also had two scores on 67 rushing yards. So great day from Murray. Kenny and Drake looked great, but he's going to have a problem with Kyler Murray vulturing these touchdowns. So I'm not really excited about that although he was super efficient on the ground but a player who's not gonna have any problem scoring terry scoring mclaurin seven of ten targets for 125 yards with that score this is what i was pounding the table for all summer there's no comp target competition here like where's logan thomas thanks for those four receptions 26 yards that was that was great it wasn't just thomas who disappeared either peyton barber literally one carry
0: yeah, we can we can maybe put to bed uh, you know any chance of Peyton Barber making a, a fantasy comeback. Uh, really, the backfield was all about McKissick, J.D. McKissick, and Antonio Gibson, and it looks like Gibson is the one who is who is um, beginning to pull away as far as potentially the lead back. Uh, you had Gibson who had thirteen carries, two targets as well. Um, so yeah, I mean if, I'm, if I if I really don't want a hole, I don't want much investment in this backfield even with the upside of Gibson. But if I had to pick one, I would go with Gibson. And I think there's a chance, uh, given how, um, you know, I don't want to say poorly, but how, how, you know, last week they didn't perform that great either. So maybe you could get Gibson for uh, pretty cheap on rejaft or dynasty.
2: Look, on the IP MVP side for this game, it's Kevin Pierre-Louis. He is a guy that came across from Cleveland last season. And today he put up 15 tackles, 10 of them solo for Washington, and also had a fumble
1: and that brings us to our finale and it's just so fitting that we end with overtime so tyrod taylor injured his Peck pecking the end of warm-ups which led to a surprise start from justin herbert i don't think any of the important nonsensers had herbert making his debut this early in the season but now that's happened what do we think about the dynasty stock report
0: i think the stock is up high herbert look you know i mean obviously they didn't win the game um, but they, you know, they were competitive against the Chiefs the entire game. They they took it to the Chiefs early. I thought I thought Herbert looked great. He had two touchdowns, totally at 311 yards. Um, you know, he, you know, if you watched Hard Knocks, you know, you you wouldn't have thought much of 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 him coming into the season. But uh, I had a chance to review some of his film at Oregon before the season started. Now I've got a chance to watch him play against his defending Super Bowl champs. And he looked like a competent NFL quarterback and he played like a pretty good fantasy quarterback. So I'm I'm pretty high on him after after his first start, which was a very surprising start. He really just brought a spark
1: to the offense. And it's a super talented backfield. Now that Herbert's in control, it could be super productive. So 148 yards from Eckler, including four receptions. So we can put those receiving worries to rest. Joshua Kelly had 113 yards. Throw in seven for 96 for Allen, six for 93 from Hunter Henry. And this Chargers offense is back to cooking, although Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was not. He came crashing back down to earth, 10 carries, 38 yards. Had a better day in the passing game, 6 for 32. But overall, a disappointment from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire.
2: Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there'll be better days ahead for CEH, no doubt, and all his um, legion of fans in fancy land. In saying that, there was another rookie performance to look out for for the Chargers. It was actually Kenneth Murray, the linebacker. He came through with 10 boomer sooner indeed he came through with 10 tackles six of them solo and you love to see it you love to see a guy get involved early and things looking good for the Chargers. people saying that uh they might have been on on the downswing this year but they've got a good defense as we know and mr herbert's running the show at the quarterback what's not to like
1: And that's going to bring us to the end of the Sunday's game. Of
2: course, we are doing this during
1: Sunday night football. And the Patriots are currently up 17 to 14 on the Seahawks. Cam Newton had another rushing score, which you love to see. James White was a surprise last minute inactive due to a terrible family situation. Our thoughts are with him and his family at this time. And Devin McCourty opened the scoring with a pick six and had a very lovely shout out to White. So it's nice to see the team rallying behind White in this difficult time for him. And Nii, I know you're not a Patriots fan, but I know you love McCourty. So this has to be exciting stuff for you. So with that, any parting words for the audience?
2: Yeah, look, um, it's week two of fantasy and we've seen a lot of injuries today on Football Sunday. I- I'd say keep your chin up because it's this is... A relative, relatively early time in the season, and these injuries are going to present opportunities for other players to move up the depth chart. So, we'll be covering that next week or two, no doubt. Otherwise, remember to mask up, wash your hands, and be good to each other.
1: It was a pleasure as always, Knee. Make sure you follow him over at the Real nwb and be sure to check out all his fantastic work over on ImportantNonsense.com. And if you're an IDP league and you're not following Knee's work, you are just missing out. The same is true for all of you Dynasty folks. Dr. Dynasty, do you have any parting thoughts to leave with all of your devoted fans?
0: Yeah, just quickly, if you are putting in your bets for next week, make sure to look at San Francisco going to the uh, the Giants. This game may get taken off the books, so maybe this doesn't matter by tomorrow. But right now, the uh, 49ers are seven-point favorites. All those injuries, I like the Giants at home. Uh, Bills are getting uh, three points at home versus the Rams. I think this could be a trap. Go with the Rams. This is the right time to travel to Buffalo. Uh, I'm going to be writing an article tonight for Tuesday about Dynasty players to pick up. Look at Nick Mullen, Darnell Mooney, uh, and Drew Sample are three of the guys I'm going to be writing about. Um, other than that, just be good, be safe, make sure you wear a mask, make sure you register to vote, and I'll see you next week.
1: Once again, you can find John over on Twitter at DynastyPhD and Instagram at Scoozer underscore from underscore OKC. You can keep up t- to date with all of his content over on importantnonsense.com and on all of the socials at NonsenseFF. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh, and it was a treat as always. If you've enjoyed yourself, be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. And if you didn't enjoy yourself, make sure you send all of your complaints to that FF nerd. Most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense.
0: Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at
2: ImportantNonsense.com. Kaboom!